Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now. This episode contains distressing themes, profanity, and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. The dark web is part of the internet that is not indexed by search engines. It's rife with criminal activity, from drug sales all the way to targeted attacks. In August 2022, a man was browsing the dark web when he came across a website claiming to provide hitmen for a fee. Curiosity got the better of him, and as he scanned through the forum, one post piqued his interest. A request seemingly from a female, asking for a man to be killed in Norfolk. Helen, it's one o'clock exactly, and at this time you're under arrest on suspicion of conspiracy to commit murder. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you let overline in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Do you understand what I've said? Yeah. Good. Welcome to They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is the 28th in a series of bonus episodes. Helen Hewlett was a 43-year-old mother of five from Norfolk. 
She worked at the Linda McCartney Vegetarian Frozen Food Factory in Fakenham. While there, Hewlett struck up a friendship with 50-year-old Paul Belton, who worked as a staff trainer. She was enamoured with her co-worker, and they bonded, growing closer after sharing details about their lives. Hewlett had a difficult upbringing, and Paul voiced his fears about the security of his job. Both Hewlett and Paul were married with children, but their relationship progressed, and one afternoon while on their break, they had an intimate encounter in Paul's car. According to Paul, he immediately regretted what he would come to call a sexual event and withdrew from his interactions with Hewlett. Hewlett, on the other hand, only became more infatuated. She begged to see Paul outside of work again, but he was adamant that it was a one-off and should never have happened. While Paul felt it best to ignore the situation, Hewlett began bombarding him with emails and text messages and often touched him inappropriately at work. He rebuffed her advances, so she began to post about him on Facebook and even threw a cup of boiling hot coffee at the wall in his office. There seemed to be no way Paul could avoid the woman he had a tryst with, as they saw each other every day at work. In desperation, Paul eventually changed jobs, finding employment in another factory nearby at Kinnerton Confectionery, which makes chocolate products for Tesco. To Paul's dismay, he was followed there by Helen Hewlett. She somehow secured a job working alongside him. Paul was mortified when on the first day Hewlett started, she ran up and tried to kiss him. Paul wanted nothing to do with Hewlett and went as far as rearranging his shifts so the two seldom crossed paths, but this was no deterrent. Hewlett continually made sexual remarks, telling Paul one afternoon, you started to make me horny by just being around you. He did his best to ignore the incessant comments, but Hewlett was unfettered and continued the harassment by sending Paul a deluge of sexually explicit emails. This included naked photographs of herself and a video of her topless, along with the message, just so you don't forget what I look like. Paul did not respond. Around this time, Hewlett made a post on Facebook, writing that someone, quote, needed shooting in the bollocks, and added she was sick of people who treat you like shit and think they can get away with it. The messages to Paul Belton were relentless. While most were abusive, with Hewlett accusing Paul of making her life hell, the correspondence was also peppered with pleasantries, such as Hewlett wishing Paul a happy birthday, along with attempts to rekindle what she saw as a relationship. At his wit's end, Paul Belton ended up blocking Hewlett's Facebook account. When she realised, 
Hewlett was furious and made a public post that was directed at Paul. On Facebook, she referred to him as scum, who takes advantage of people when they are at their lowest. Eventually, Hewlett resigned from her job and alleged that Paul Belton's behaviour was the reason. She lodged complaints with the factory's boss and Tesco, claiming that Paul bullied and sexually harassed women, along with making homophobic remarks. An investigation was launched, and the accusations were deemed to be malicious fabrications. Paul was advised by his boss to contact the police, which he did. He later recalled, I just wanted it to stop. I just wanted to be left alone. After he visited the police station to make a report, Paul Belton was surprised when he was confronted by his daughter. The family used a mobile tracking app to monitor each other's whereabouts, and they saw that he had been at the station. Tired of hiding what had happened, Paul broke down in front of his loved ones and made a full confession. The police made contact with Helen Hewlett, and in May 2021 she was given a formal warning to cease all contact with Paul Belton. Livid that the authorities were now involved, Hewlett ignored the warning and emailed Paul. I can't believe you've done this, she wrote. You've ruined my marriage. Paul refused to respond, and Hewlett sent him a veiled threat, telling him that if he continued to ignore her, she would, quote, visit him at work. Toward the end of 2021, Helen Hewlett was browsing the internet. Still obsessed and infuriated with Paul Belton, she decided to go a step further. Hewlett turned to the dark web in search of a hitman. She came across a specific site called Online Killers Market. This site claimed to provide a facility where the public could contact hitmen to employ their services. Allegedly, the hitmen could even make the killings appear as though they were accidents. A listing in US dollars explained that customers could purchase a sniper shooting for between 20 and 60,000, an arson attack for around 20,000, or a beating for 2,000. The website also advertised that it could arrange deaths from an undetectable poison or even snake bites and boasted of a 100% job completion rate. The services of hitmen were activated upon full payment of fees into a so-called escrow intermediate website. Hewlett decided to make an account with the username Horses5. She then put out an advert seeking a hitman to kill someone in Norfolk, and it was crucial the killing looked like an accident. A couple of days later, 
she received a reply from somebody with the username Marksman, who wrote, Check your inbox. Marksman took Hewlett up on her offer, and she explained what she wanted. She was planning the ultimate revenge on Paul Belton, after what she saw as their so-called relationship had turned sour. In January 2022, Hewlett set up a Coinbase account to buy cryptocurrency. She then used two loans totaling £12,000, an overdraft and her savings, to pay thousands of pounds to the escrow third-party website, where the funds would then be transferred to the hitman after the killing. She also provided Paul's full name, home and work addresses, and a photograph. Over the next few months, Hewlett methodically searched the internet for local fatal road accidents and read several articles about bodies found on Hokum Beach in Norfolk and in a ditch in Kings Lynn. In August 2022, the Metropolitan Police were alerted to an ominous posting by an anonymous member of the public. Cyber investigations began looking into the matter. They discovered that a linked Bitcoin payment for a hitman had come from a regulated Coinbase account that recorded Helen Hewlett's full name and personal details. Officers were dispatched to the property and Hewlett was arrested. Hello, Helen. Just keep the door like that for me for a second. Um, just listen to my colleague for a second. Helen, it's one o'clock exactly, and at this time you're under arrest on suspicion of conspiracy to commit murder. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you later on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Do you understand what I've said? Yeah. Good. The necessity for your arrest now to allow a search of this premises. Sergeant just said we've got a warrant to search the house to prevent you from destroying any evidence and to prevent you from speaking to any co-suspects. Do you understand all of that? Yeah. Lovely. Step this way for me, please. Ellen Hewlett was transported to the police station as she was presented with the evidence gathered against her. She claimed that she and Paul Belton were in a relationship while both having partners and children. Hewlett explained to detectives that she was initially just browsing on the dark web out of curiosity. She said that when she came across the hitman site... She wanted to use it to vent her anger about being ignored by her former colleague. However, she was asked by officers, if that were the case, why did she seek out a hitman? Hewlett responded, I put up a post on the forum for me to vent rather than to do something about a person I was in a relationship with who I worked with. It was to help me. He made it clear that he didn't want to work there anymore. Then he was acting okay with me, but then he just stopped talking to me. He was bullying me to leave. Hewlett admitted that she had transferred £14,000 into an online account in three to four transactions to prove she had the funds for the order. According to Hewlett, however, 
she had no intention of going through with it, and that, quote, the money was still mine. It didn't go to anyone else. She believed that funds would only be transferred to the hitman when the killing was carried out. The conversation then turned to the alleged relationship between Hewlett and Paul Belton. She spoke about how Paul had reported her to the authorities and said, Instead of talking to me, he called the police. He wouldn't explain, and all I wanted was an apology. She described her frustrations, stating, Just everything ended. One day it was all right. The next day it was nothing. Sometimes he talked to me, Others not. He'd say that it was all in my head, and then he'd say really horrible things. Detectives inquired whether Hewlett ever felt physically threatened by Paul Belton, and she responded, Not threatened physically, but mentally. I couldn't go to work. I got up one morning and started crying. The officers did not believe what they were being told. The story of posting an advert on a hitman website just to vent some anger, but Hewlett tried to explain. I don't know, it sounds stupid. Like a revenge type of thing. Silly things. Like a postcard to get some revenge. Hewlett claimed to detectives that she stumbled upon advice on how to employ a hitman which was posted on a frequently asked questions forum. She said, I have no idea how I found the forum. It must have been an ad somewhere that popped up. Hewlett maintained that she had no intentions of going through with the order and that she could withdraw the funds from the escrow account at any time. She claimed she was confident the hitman would not have gone through with the hit because she was awaiting a message to give them the okay to carry it out. What's more, she went on to argue that, quote, most things on the dark web are scams. To be honest, I didn't know it was legit. It didn't seem genuine. I didn't think of the severity or that it would be done. After Helen Hewlett had been identified as the person to order the hit, the police logged into her account and cancelled the order. They were unable to retrieve any of the bitcoin that she had paid. However, they discovered it was sent to somebody in Romania. In the wake of Hewlett's arrest, detectives were unsure whether Paul Belton's life was still in danger. They knocked on his front door and made him aware of the situation. Detective Inspector Paul Morton later said, As you can imagine, his reaction was one of shock and disbelief. A marker was placed on Paul Belton's home address and the property's phone numbers, meaning any emergency calls would be treated as an urgent threat to life. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. On November 17th, 2022, Ellen Hewlett appeared at Norwich Crown Court via video link. She pleaded not guilty to soliciting murder and stalking between January 2021 and August 2022. A trial was scheduled for January of the following year. By the 23rd, a jury consisting of seven men and five women was seated at Norwich Crown Court, and proceedings were ready to begin. During opening statements, Prosecutor Marty Blair QC described Hewlett's obsessive pursuit of Paul Belton. Blair detailed how Hewlett had tried to ruin his reputation 
and then tried to deny that the hit she had taken out was genuine. Blair told the court, These actions go far beyond mere fantasy. Defence counsel Matthew McNiff argued before the court that the Hitman website on the dark web was an absolute sham and that its claims to provide a Hitman willing to kill somebody was palpable nonsense. Paul Belton testified during the trial about how he came to be involved with the defendant, but during his cross-examination, it was suggested by Hewlett's counsel that Paul had lied, misled and fabricated his account. Paul denied this was true. However, the defence counsel accused Paul of, quote, trying to create the impression that she was stalking you. Paul Belton was then asked whether he thought it was fair or right that he had tried to create an impression that his former colleague was responsible. Paul replied, No, I don't think that. That's how it was. Matthew McNiff dismissed this claim, suggesting that there were numerous occasions of intimacy between Paul Belton and Hewlett, despite Paul's denials. McNiff would not relent when he suggested that the intimate relationship between Paul and Hewlett was all driven by Paul. It was argued that Paul Belton had, quote, manipulated what he saw as a very vulnerable woman and then decided what was going to happen and where it would happen. Matthew McNiff accused Paul of reeling in Hewlett for weeks and months but Paul denied this was the case. Detective Sergeant Mark Stratford of the Eastern Region Special Operations Unit told the jury that the authorities could find no indication that the so-called escrow intermediate website was a genuine escrow account which would have had a multi-signature wallet to authorise payment when all parties were in agreement. Detective Constable Frank Jepson also took the stand and explained that a cyber investigation had tracked the money that Hewlett had sent. The funds were traced to an individual in Romania. However, Jepson explained that they were unable to say whether this person had any links to the online killer's market or whether the money had gone to an actual hitman. Under cross-examination by defence counsel Matthew McNiff, DC Jepson admitted that there was no evidence to show that the defendant had ever received a message detailing a date when Paul Belton was to be killed and when Hewlett should take steps to create an alibi, as advised on the website. After one week of testimony, the trial was almost over. Helen Hewlett opted out of testifying on her own behalf. During closing arguments, Marty Blair QC said that Paul Belton and Hewlett were never in a relationship, despite Hewlett's claims to detectives. Blair stated, Hewlett said that they had a three-year relationship which ended in 2021, 
although Belton paid for a background report on Hewlett in 2020. Why would he do that if they were in a relationship? The prosecutor also said that Hewlett had turned to the dark web because, quote, she wanted anonymity in her revenge so that it couldn't be traced back to her. Chronologically, the case speaks for itself. She could have gone to Mum's net to vent. Why do the dark web to vent without any criminal purpose? Marty Blair QC then told the jury to ignore whether the Hitman website was real or not. She explained that the jury members may feel as though the people behind the website were scam artists seeking to fleece the desperate, but in truth that did not matter. Blair added, We do not know if it was a scam or whether Paul Belton was genuinely at risk, probably the former, but the fact it was probably a scam should not impact on what her intention was. Defence counsel Matthew McNiff countered the prosecution's case. He accused detectives of ignoring the original reasons why Hewlett did what she did. McNiff stated, This mother was put in a cell for the first time. She's never been arrested. She wouldn't be cool, calm and collected enough to come up with a backstory. Every time she made a cry for help, either to HR or on Facebook, she was rejected. Mr. Belton was the superior in the factory, and Helen was a line worker. Who do you think would be heard more? She was crying out in an odd way. It's easy for her to be labelled. McNiff argued that the Hitman website was obvious nonsense and full of red flags. He then accused Paul Belton of rewriting the truth and sanitising his own behaviour. McNiff said, She doesn't dispute that she sent Mr. Belton messages and posted things about him, sometimes in good humour and sometimes not so much. Following closing arguments, Judge Catherine Moore summed up the facts of the case. She told the jury, It comes to this. Was Helen Hewlett a woman scorned, hurt, upset, angered and vengeful at rejection, who turned to stalking and soliciting to murder? Or was she rather less than that? Vulnerable, needy and something of a keyboard warrior, lacking any wish to harass and kill. The judge explained that it could not be disputed what Hewlett had done, but the question remained whether she did it with the necessary mental element to have committed the offences alleged against her. Judge Moore also asked the jury to consider Hewlett's state of mind when she contacted Paul Belton, along with the arguments made by Hewlett that she had no intention of having Paul killed and did not believe he would be killed until all the funds were transferred. So where are we now? The jury was sent to consider their verdicts. 
Helen Hewlett was cleared of stalking involving fear or violence to cause serious alarm or distress. However, she was found guilty of a lesser charge of stalking without serious alarm or distress. For the soliciting murder charge, Hewlett was also found guilty. After the verdict was handed down, the senior investigating officer, Detective Inspector Paul Morton, stated, We are very pleased that, after careful consideration, the jury have reached a guilty verdict on both counts. This has been a very complex and technical trial with a huge amount of information to consider. This is a rare type of offence, and it just shows the dark web is still not a safe place for criminals to hide. As of the time of this recording, Helen Hewlett has yet to be sentenced for her crimes. However, soliciting murder carries a maximum sentence of life in prison. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, Headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast Another Bite. 
Each week, another bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now.